Um, this morning's scripture reading comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, which can be found on page 837 of some of your pew Bibles. Okay. Please uh, read along with me in your heads as I read out loud. Oh, it's uh, chapter 5, 16 through 28. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through, May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Well, we've come to the end of our handbook for believers, 1 Thessalonians. This will be the last week. Next week we'll have a Thanksgiving sermon, and then we enter into an Advent or Christmas series that'll take us through the end of the year. Here's where we've been in 1 Thessalonians. Last week was the, you'll remember, the Missions Conference and Social Concern, and the previous week was uh, Joseph who was preaching on our, re- our responsibilities to each other. Do you remember that, his passage? We ask you, brothers and sisters, acknowledge those who work hard among you, care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. This is our relationship with our leaders. Hold them in highest regard, in love because of their work, and then our relationship with each other. Love, live in peace with each other. We urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure you don't pay back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good to each other and for everyone else. And now in our final week, we come to our relationship, our responsibility uh, toward God. Horizontal responsibilities, love each other, be patient, admonish, honor your leaders, and now our responsibility to God. Let's take just these three verses as our text for this morning. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God for you. Christ Jesus, our responsibility to God. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks. In the Greek text, the word order actually puts those adverbs first. Always rejoice, kind of emphasizes always. Unceasingly pray. Without wavering, no hesitancy, no breaks, unceasingly pray. In all circumstances, 
give thanks. All right, let's just take them one at a time. First of all, rejoice always. Immediately someone says that is unrealistic. Think about it. Always? What about when I'm sad? What about when life stinks? And yet here's the scripture that says, always rejoice. Somebody says, yeah, but but, um, doesn't the Bible itself uh, model lament? Prayers of sorrow and... Yes, it does. So how do, we, how do we fit the lamenting and rejoicing, always rejoice? Doesn't, doesn't the Bible itself say that Jesus was a man of sorrows? Doesn't, didn't he pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, my soul is full of sorrow? Yes, he did. And yet here we have a command, always rejoice. I think the key may be to see that rejoicing is not primarily or not solely a happy, happy, happy emotion. It can't be divorced from that, I recognize that. But this is a command to take yourself in hand and always speak words, do actions, Acknowledge God, always rejoice. We tend to think of lamentation, lamenting and sorrow uh, and rejoicing as no way they can be both be true. No way I can do both simultaneously. That's unrealistic. What planet do you live on? But the scripture seems to say it is possible even in our sorrow. Always rejoice. Yes, when the sun is shining down on me, rejoice. And yes, when the darkness closes in, when I walk through the desert place, this simultaneous rejoicing along with the burdens and sorrows of life, is actually seen pretty consistently throughout the scripture. For example, we are sorrowful, yet rejoicing. We rejoice in our sufferings. Not for our sufferings, but in the midst of our sufferings. And this is what I want And this is what I want for you. Always rejoice. Maybe J.R.R. Tolkien helps us once again with the character of Gandalf. You remember that Gandalf had the weight of the world on his shoulders and things were not going well. His friends were dying, cities were falling. And his Pippin observes Gandalf. He glanced in some wonder at the face now close beside him, Gandalf's face. In the wizard's face, he saw at first only lines of care and sorrow. 
But as he looked more intently, he perceived that under all, there was a great joy, a fountain of mirth, enough to set a kingdom laughing were it to gush forth. Yes, sorrowing. Yes, lamenting. Yes, walking through the desert place. And, (laughs) like a subterranean river that runs underneath a parched land, occasionally it will bubble up and form an oasis, but often it's present but not visible. Always rejoicing. This is what I want. This is what I want for Crossbridge. If I can speak a personal word uh, to you to Crossbridge, I am so impressed with this church and with CBCGB also. This is a church of high volunteerism. It's just part of the culture. High uh, financial stewardship. It doesn't mean we can't do better, but comparatively, this is this is this, this is a good church. I'm very impressed. I came to the missions uh, conference on Friday night, and uh, many of you were there. That thing didn't start until quarter till eight in the evening, and the church was full. I was walking around going, "Who are all these people on a Friday night? They're going out here. Let's, what, what a way to spend your Friday night!" But that's part of what makes Crossbridge uh, who we are. And I'd like to see, for myself and for you, also, joy. Duty, yes. Uh, Volunteerism, excellent. Stewardship, two thumbs up. If we ask each other, hey, how are you doing? What's the typical response? Busy. And there's something to be said for that. But when we say it, it's also, there's a nonverbal message that comes along with it because here's how we say, busy. I'm so busy. I want a subterranean river of joy flowing underneath all our stuff, all our busyness, all our, and also under all the sorrow. Scripture says, always rejoice. Realize who's giving us that message. This is not some televangelist. Always rejoice. You can do it. Three easy steps. No, this is the Apostle Paul. Beaten with rods. Rejected by his own people. Rejected by the Gentiles. In danger in the city. In danger in the country. Spent a night and a day in the open sea. Shipwrecked. Always rejoice. Yes, sorrows like sea billows roll. African American church, they say, Can I get a witness? 
sorrows like sea billows. But thou hast taught me to say, it's well down in here. That's what I want. That's what I want for you. Well, how do we do it? How did the Apostle Paul do it? What's the secret? I'm not sure. I'm working on it myself. But I think I'm finding some help by giving thanks. If we will verbalize our thanks, it does lead to a more positive, joyful, hopeful perspective on life. Sean Acor is a psychologist who teaches at Harvard. He suggests that we can train our brains to be more grateful by setting aside just five minutes a day for practicing gratitude. He cites a a study that took place over just one week, a one-week period of time. People were asked to sit down and write out three things they're thankful for. They didn't have to be big things. They could be stuff like, I am thankful for the delicious Thai takeout dinner I had last night. I'm so thankful that my daughter gave me a hug. I'm thankful that my boss complimented my work. Every day, three things, write it down. At the end of the month, The researchers followed up with the people that did this one-week study, and they found out that those who had practiced gratitude, including those who did it just for one week, were happier and less depressed. After three months, they went back to the same group. The participants were more joyful and content. Amazingly, they went back after six months. And remember, the people did this just for a week. Six months later, they were happier, less anxious, less depressed. The researchers hypothesized that the simple practice of writing down three Thanksgivings a day over the course of a week primed their minds to be looking for things. You sort of get your brain in the habit of, oh, there's a good thing. Oh, yeah, I could write that one down. Oh, And it changes our perspective. And so maybe the command, always rejoice, is linked to the third command. And the second command, always pray, give thanks. Give it a try. I'm trying it. When I came across that study, it was for me, it was about a month or two ago. I started doing it. I started writing down three things every day. I have my devotions, and I have kind of a little journal. I just write down a little journal entry. It's really, it's only about that long. And at the end of each journal entry, I'm writing down three things I'm thankful for. Most of the time, they're really small things like, yay, the Red Sox won, or something like that. <laughs> See if it makes a difference in your own discipleship as you seek to relate to God as he has commanded, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, always rejoice. Second command. Unceasingly pray. 
When you're sick, pray. When you're happy, pray. When you have to make a big decision, pray. When you're unsure how to be a good parent, pray. When you have conflict with a teacher, pray. When you're trying out for the school musical, play, pray. (laughs) When you're searching for a pastor, pray. When you don't feel like going to church, pray. As you listen to the sermon, pray. Before you eat, pray. Before you set out on a journey, pray. When you balance your checkbook, pray. When you receive a bonus or a raise at work, pray. When you're worried about your aunt, pray. When you want to complain, pray. When you're thankful, pray. When you're agitated, pray. When you're peaceful, pray. Pray unceasingly. Pray without ceasing. Pray unbrokenly, unwaveringly. A lifestyle of prayer as natural and as frequent as breathing. Most of us will breathe about 13,000 times a day. How about if we pray? Thirteen thousand times a day. Unceasingly pray. May I make a special application, a particular application for Crossbridge? Following each service, we have the opportunity to pray. There's a couple of people that come down and they're stationed right over here and they're available to pray with you. Excellent. Why not take advantage of that? Why not come up and share your happiness or your sorrow or your burden or your decision-making? Whatever. Unceasingly pray. You don't have to be embarrassed. You don't have to, it's not some big secret or something. You just May this be a church marked by prayer, as well as a church marked by doing. Third command, give thanks in all circumstances. Please notice it does not say for all circumstances. No, we don't, we don't thank God for tragedy and for sin and for, for shootings in the schools and for this and... No, but in the midst, in all circumstances, even when you walk through the desert place, give thanks. May I teach you a phrase that I learned a couple years ago? I learned this phrase from uh, people who work in the area of uh, spiritual formation. They, they do soul care, sort of like spiritual counseling. The phrase I learned was this, what is God inviting you into? And here's the idea. You've got this bad thing in your life. You, you, you just got laid off from work or you, you, you're... you're, you're 
boyfriend, your girlfriend just broke up with you, or this, it's, it's just, and it's painful and it's hard, and nobody's minimizing that. It, life is full of that kind of thing. Sorrows like sea billows roll. But in that thing, what is God inviting you into? Without minimizing the sorrow, what is this an opportunity? How is the door open right now? For what? More patience? More empathy with others who sorrow? More courage? What is he inviting you into? You see, the idea is we worship and believe in a God who is big and loving and kind and a good heavenly father. And these things like getting laid off from work. These things don't happen by accident. It's not like he wakes up and goes, oh man, oh nuts, look what just happened. He is watching over us. He is allowing those things only for his glory and for our own good. And so with that kind of faith and hope, when these, these hard things come into our lives, we ask, okay, I know God's not trying to get me, What's he inviting me into? And that may help you give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So we read our passage together, everyone together beginning with the reference. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you.